everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Stephanie March. And after two weeks, we're just gabbing here in our We're just gossiping. Holy moly. I think I've said has the cutest baby bangs in the world. You have to say it. Okay, you have one more time to say it on the air. Okay, sorry, Lexi. That makes it three times. That's okay. Keep complimenting me. Yes, yes, yes. All right. I just feel like it's a little bit, you know. Well, because here's why. Awkward, because she's just like. And every time I, I see you, I say to Stephanie, oh, my God, me. she has the cutest baby bangs. And then oh, Stephanie looks at me weird. And then I feel like if you say something, but is that like behind someone's back? So I should just tell you to your face. I it's, like compliments. Keep them coming. Way okay. to go. All way right. to go. Okay. All right. Here we go. I feel like we should maybe turn this up a little bit. Okay, you guys, here we are. We look like we're professionals. I know. <laughs> well, I've been doing this for 15 years. It's fine. Oh, for a long fine. time. Exactly. So we are back. We had uh, the 4th of July fun. Yeah. And before, I guess, has it only been that we've it's been, been one week. 4th of July? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were. So 4th, we did you 4th it up? Did you firework it up? It did not. Because everybody else seems to. I'm like, what the hell's going on? No, I feel like, no. I mean, we, I, I actually sat on my front steps because there happened like You watched the St. Blocks Louis away. Park fireworks. Yeah. I have to stalk Stephanie on Instagram like the rest of you when I'm <laughs> up at the cabin because I'm like, Well, because oh, you're up at the cabin. Here's yeah. what Stephanie ate this week. Here's oh, what God. Stephanie did. Oh, look at her cute garden container pots. I know. I know. Oh, I'm going to sneeze here. Hold on. Well, you know, I think it was a weird 4th of July for a lot of people because A, it was a Monday. Mondays are always a little strange anyway because of the fact of they, you know, it's like you get that hangover of the weekend and then a lot of people are trying to drive home from things on that day so yeah, it's like they try was, to do them all on sundays and then it's like well wait did it happen did it not happen that we had sadie come and she spent the weekend with us and then we had like our big fourth of july celebration we had the parade sure. we had um ribs i'm gonna seize again yeah wow you've got it all going on God. um and she left like she had to leave at like five o'clock so she could get home in time to go to work the next day. I'm saying, right? So it was just kind of like in the middle of the festivities. We're like, okay, okay. Now we gotta bring Sadie back. Bye, Sadie. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a thing. It's it's a, it was, and then the whole Roe v. Wade, you know, put a lot of damper on a lot of women's feelings of freedom celebrations. It did. It did. It Not just really did. It. it did. I was with a lot of young people and. There was a whole lot of thought about what is, you know, what does freedom really look like? And then so. also being in Ely is always interesting on the 4th of July because it's it's really a city of two minds, kind of. There's the sort of heritage, minor heritage, sure. and that tends to be a little more right wing and a little more conservative. Then there's the whole boundary waters and naturalists, and right. that tends to be more left wing. Sure. So... You have these people very passionate on both sides converge in this town and yep. they've had to find a way to like make it work. There's right. 6,000 people in the town, but a parade is where like you can wear your t-shirt and your American flag with your Trump sign or your save the boundary waters with your tie dye hat. Yeah. And you will be marching side by side in yeah. the parade. Yeah. And then you all spill out into the bars afterwards, which is always kind of interesting too. It's one of my favorite things about the town. Yeah. It's also like people are very rabid about like when the uh, pro mining cars come by, they cheer super loudly. When the uh, Save the Boundary Waters people come by, I cheer real loudly. I'm standing next to these people that I've met now and we're all standing on the same step and they're cheering on one side and I'm cheering on the other. And I could tell it was kind of an awkward moment. So yeah. I leaned over to the guy and I said, isn't this great that in a town like this, 
you can cheer for your side and I can cheer for my side and we can still be standing on the porch together and having a beer. Yeah. Because really. And did he say yes to that? He he was, I think, surprised okay. that I said something, but he was gracious about it. Okay. But then they moved. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. They did move. Yeah. But maybe not because of that. Because yeah, I was being nice. But it's the <clears throat> it's the way there is. I do appreciate discourse and I do appreciate understanding that people are all just trying to find the best life for themselves and their people. And yes. You know, the ways that we go about these are different. So, yes. Um, okay. We have a lot of good topics Gosh, today. We got a lot. I'm just looking. So, I'm going to tell you, I, I, we do have a little taste test coming later I'm on in the show. It'll be okay. I brought Stephanie a little something. Okay. We're going to talk about chimichurri and all the 12 ways that I ate it over the course of four days. Yeah. Because I had made two cups of it. Oh. We're going to talk a little bit. Um, uh, Andrew Zimmern and his Substack had. The James Beard award-winning cookbook. So I wanted to just touch on that a little bit. And then he kind of opened it up like, what are your favorite cookbooks? I know we've talked about cookbooks, but I've been sort of knee-deep in it. I actually did see, visually saw my cookbook in someone's hands on a Zoom. I have not seen you it myself. You haven't gotten your own copy yet? I know. And huh. they were like, okay, well, we'll send it right now. Like, okay, that was a week ago. I checked every single day at the mailbox and nothing. Nothing. Then I came home and I was like, hey, I'm home. I'm going to be home. Here's my home address. I have a bunch of family coming in this weekend. Like, maybe you could. No, no. zero, nothing. Mm-mm. So it's in the United States. It is here. I'm just waiting to actually physically see something. Okay. So, But it doesn't technically launch until October, right? And actually, they'll or start sales will start happening. They'll start shipping it to people September one. Okay, and I will be able to have some at the end of August. So oh. when we do our stair fair thing, there might be something. Um, I did. There's a Cooks of Crocus Hill cooking class. That's not a class as much as like a tasting and a talking and a demonstration. Yeah, but there's a whole four course meal that'll be served to you. While I'm talking and we're talking about stories in the book, that's on September 18th. Tickets for that have just gone up. Okay. So Stephanie is going to be working with me on a, a launch party at yep. the Lynn Hall in Edina. Yep. And there will be other opportunities for signings and things. I don't know exactly the date yet, okay. but when I have it, I'll make sure that we're confirmed. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> that's my, my job for the next three days is to right. confirm all this stuff I have floating out there. I know. Seriously. <clears throat> Oh, that's good. Um, while we're on it, and I'll remind you at the end of the hour, too, but mm-hmm. on July 16th, we are going to be out for Weekly Dish Live. We right. haven't been out in a very long time. No, so for so long. We want you guys to come and have brunch with us. We're going to be at Mallard's in Bloomington, which is at like 98th and Normandale, right on the corner there. They're going to be having a special brunch. They don't normally do brunch, so we want to count on you guys to come out and visit. Panda wanted to know if she could wear her pajama pants. I said, please wear your pajama pants. Who did? Panda. Oh. One of our listeners. Oh. She was like, can I wear my pajama pants? I was yeah. like, yes, you can. Okay. Um, they're going to have it's a brunch. lunch. Brunch is sampling. always. <laughs> yeah. Let's come as you are. Yeah. Um, so we'll be out there at Mallard's in Bloomington, Saturday, July 16th from 9 to 11. Good. And there's something, too, that'll be happening where you can register to win tickets, or if you're there, you have the chance to win tickets to the Lush birthday party. Yeah, the birthday bash or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, for like. my talk. So yeah. anyway, you should just plan on coming because it'll be fun. Okay. Okay, so one of the things I observed while I was out with Stephanie ate at all the places I want to eat. Yeah. So we're going to talk when we come back about all the places she's eaten. We yeah. also both have watched... The bear. Yes. All, All episodes. Seven episodes, six episodes. I, I can't remember eight. how many there were. Yeah. 
And so we can talk about that. And we've got a bunch of great things coming up. You're listening to The Weekly Dish presented by our friends at Hornitos who have the new seltzers that you should check out. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Uh, You know, it's been kind of a crazy week after the 4th. There's been a lot of things. We wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Justin Sutherland and what happened to him. And um, we wanted to say that, uh, you know, all of our best wishes go out to Justin, who is recovering from a boating accident, which... <clears throat> happened when he uh, flew off his boat and got, you know, came in contact with the propeller and it injured his arm, his left arm and his face. So I was like, so wait, how does this happen? Yeah. It sounded like his hat flew off. Yeah. He reached over to get it. He was driving the boat at that exact same time, a wave, which could have come from his own boat because the wake could have come. Sure. He flipped in and then kind of you get sucked under by the propulsion. And that's why you end up in the propeller. This sort of happened to my sister's dog when she first got it. It oh. flipped off the front of the pontoon and kind of got sucked underneath and then popped up the other side and had a had cut his lip on the propeller oof yeah it's so we not, fixed it but yeah and it's it's you know it's one of those things that there's yeah it's happened to many boaters or it's happened to boaters before and it's just one of those things that is a huge tragedy and it could have been a lot worse it could have been yeah. could have been everything from brain damage to death to the whole thing so yeah. we're i think he's really lucky that he came out of this as you know touched as he was by the by the injuries but necessarily it sounds like from all his representatives and his family <clears throat> that he's going to be okay and that it is a matter of healing and recovery. Um, though there will be multiple surgeries, obviously, and he's still under. He'd already had like six, it yeah. sounded like, in it, the immediate couple of days. Yeah, yeah, he had. He did. And he was um, sort of at that space sort of taking, you know, they're taking the time to do things right and, and everything else. And I think what's more important is... Um, you know, there's obviously been a huge outpouring of support for him and, and care and people are very worried about him. And it's and it's a lovely it's lovely to see people caring about another human like that. Um, but the thing that seems to be on everybody's minds and we thought we'd talk a little bit about it because it seems like every time I walk into a room, someone wants to ask me, why didn't he have insurance? Because yeah. that was a big question as part of the uh, part of the GoFundMe. The point was he didn't have insurance and there was some. So there was a GoFundMe that was started by his associate, Beth well, Gillies, his family, and his family, really. who is a friend of ours. And they had raised over $111,000. The goal is a $500,000 goal. They were at one forty one just like yesterday. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's like that question, because my husband asked me the same thing. He's like, well, why didn't he have insurance? Everyone wants to know that. And it's and it's because and I, I mean, like, you know, I guess I want to explain that. There's a lot of people, I think, who don't understand like that, you know, the workers in the gig economy, you know, people who are contract, people who are consultants, they have uh, they don't have insurance. You know what I mean? They may not find it themselves. There are one hundred and sixty thousand people in the state of Minnesota. It's one of the largest freelance air quotes communities. Mm -hmm. And I would put myself in that class. I don't have insurance that I get through an employer. Right. And I don't qualify for insurance because I self-employ. Right. So you have to find insurance for yourself. I'll just use my personal example. My premium would be seven, is $1,700 a month. Well, I don't think it's about cost. But it, it can be because... I know. In order to have, in order to have health insurance and... In order to have health insurance, you need to be making at least about thirty-eight thousand dollars a year minimum. Other 
Otherwise, you go through the state. Okay. I guess I just, I don't want to frame this up as a cost issue because the, he's asking for money, you know, or that his family's yep. looking for money. And it's like, that was a part of a thing is that people were trying to understand, like, if he's on TV and does all this stuff and like, it's confusing. It's for confusing. People. And so I just wanted to stay clear that the, you know, the idea that, that he's an owner and he's got all these employees, he's part of a group that owns this restaurant or that restaurant. He's a consultant. He puts his name onto things. He's not, the TV networks, they don't employ him. It's a contract. And a lot of times with networks and with shows where you see him, you think, oh, he's totally, you know, in the cash. A lot of TV network uh, contracts and uh, start as, here's the deal. Let's do, we're going to do, we're going to book you for three seasons or we're going to book you for two seasons. We need that first one. We don't have any money. So we're going to not really pay you for the first season, but knowing that for the second season, when we get more sponsors after we create the thing, then we'll pay you, you know, we'll pay you big money, you know, all those things. Or it might even be just hourly. Like when people appear on local television shows, there's yeah. an hourly, there's like a stipend and it's not a lot. It barely covers even. Yeah, but his, as far as like being like a center personality, this is a contract situation, but the contract situation means that A, they don't have to provide you health insurance and then B, they don't pay you. You're not getting paid like a week, every week kind of a thing. So you may be stretching to wait for the big payday to come like in a year. And so that's important to know too, I think. But what I, I think what's most important is like people don't understand that like uh, when you're, you're in between gigs sometimes, or sometimes you may have had health insurance and then it lapses and then you have to go back and get it in a different form. You know what I mean? Like maybe you lot the employer switched your, your employment, you know, changed. Cause it's not like everyone, you know, his employees have health insurance, but I think that's through the restaurant group. That's not him personally. Correct. And so I think that that's the idea. It's like to understand that there are plenty of other employees who sometimes go through periods of time where they're like, well, I'm, I just don't have it right now. I'm trying to get it or I'm waiting for this gig to come in or I'm waiting for this. So I'm just saying that this is like, it's a, it's a little bit more understandable when you think about it like that. And you think about, he's a young guy who I'm sure, you know, in the family statement, they said, they were like, <laughs> he's maybe not the most responsible for sitting down and doing paperwork and doing all of that kind of stuff while he's doing all his other things. I think what I, I'm hearing you say and what I want to have people hear is not having health insurance is an incredibly common, albeit risky decision, yeah. but it's one that many people make. Yes. You probably, I don't know about you, but I made it as a young person. Oh, I didn't have health insurance in my 20s. And you think that you are invincible. Yeah. yeah, and you don't get it by your employer. Yeah, so then you're required to go out and get it on your own. Many people don't. Mm-hmm. Mincare does a good job. The state does have a good program, but it's not necessarily easy to just go in and get it. I guess you do fill out paperwork. Yeah. You do answer a lot of questions. You do have to reapply. You have to reprove your income. It is not necessarily an easy situation. And then even if you have state health insurance, most employer or a lot of the like dental offices and a lot of the doctor's offices won't accept it. Really? It's hard to get care. I did not know that. So it's easy if you are someone who works at a company that offers you insurance and you pay your $175 a month for your person to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't have health insurance. I just want you to hear this is not uncommon. Yeah. This does not make you a bad person. No, it doesn't make you a bad. And that's, I guess in the end too, it seems like people are concerned. What I don't, what I don't understand is people who seem angry at him for it and then feel like he shouldn't be, people shouldn't like they are that he's, and that his family is asking for help, you know, in the turn to the tune of $500,000, which is a lot of money, but also the stay in a hospital. I have a, you know, I know someone who was in the hospital for two days and it cost her a hundred grand. Yeah. And you don't, 
you don't have to give if you're angry. Exactly. And you, but I'm here to tell you, there are a lot of, he has done a lot of good work. He has hauled a lot of people up in this community. He's offered his time, his generosity. So much. And I think people that have been the recipient of that are like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll give him something. Yeah. He's provided me tons of hospitality. He's been someone that was on the front of the George Floyd movement and feeding others. He has been a real pillar in the community in some of those ways. How much, you guys, how much food he has donated to hungry people is sort of astounding. Like when all the restaurant workers, he and FEMA got together and they just cleared out their restaurants and they gave it away for free. Yep. So this is where I kind of get into that space of like, if you want to be angry about something, maybe don't be angry at the guy who's laying in the hospital. You know I just, what I mean? I'll never forget having a conversation on a girls' weekend with this woman who had health insurance. And had two sons that were getting mental health help from her insurance and talking about it and her so complete lack of understanding of the healthcare system and how judgmental she was. And the next year at the girls weekend, she'd lost her job Oh, and her kid couldn't get his yeah. mental health benefits, his Adderall prescription stopped, all the things that she counted on. And I remembered her saying to me and it, I felt vindicated, but I also felt bad. Yeah. She looked at me and she said, I just had no idea. I know. And I was like, I know you didn't. And she was like, and I couldn't even hear you. Uh-uh. She was like, no. I just thought you were some kind of a nut that just didn't want to pay her way. Because <laughs> I was saying how hard it is. It's so hard that when it gets to the point where we have to experience pain to understand other people's pain, I don't. I am. I don't understand where we and are in this world. You can give. You can keep your opinions. Yeah. You can have. You can your have beliefs. your opinion about it and just feel like. But I don't understand the people who go on his actual page to and, and to say things. like how he's insensitive and immoral for doing for this. And I think, dude's got his jaw wired shut and he doesn't know you know what's going on in the world and that's what you want to make that scene. And so. let's thank God he can't read that crap. I know. So anyway, we are sending our love and understanding and yeah. I'm hoping that we cleared some stuff up for people to maybe so they can understand what the situation looks like. And and for it- those of you that are struggling, I get it. And yeah. I keep the struggle and healthcare is important and you, the state does have a good program. If you don't have insurance, call them up. They will help you. It's just, it takes some will and it takes some understanding and some patience, but having insurance is important. It is. All right, All you right. guys, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. Thank you for joining us on the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. She's Stephanie March. And it's good to just have, I love that we can have conversations about food, around food, and about the people in food because we get to cover lots of topics by doing that. Right. And just to remember my favorite thing restaurants are made of people. Let's never forget that. Yeah. They're made of people. And the people sometimes are flawed. Some people sometimes are brilliant. The people sometimes are grifters. You just just never know. We're just humans and we all have. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a microcosm of the, of a world, right? Made of people. Everybody. Yeah. Um, Okay. So speaking of sort of restaurants are just people. The bear on Netflix, which is I think six episodes. I think it's eight episodes. It started out. It's a story about a chef that is a famous chef and he gets called back uh, because his brother has an untimely death and he has to assume the Chicago sandwich shop that his brother ran. Yeah. And he comes into this sandwich shop with his cousin who is running the shop. Not even really his cousin. Yeah. (laughs) And kind of a Chicago tough guy. Yeah. He there's a woman who interns as a sous chef who becomes kind of the person that helps them organize the kitchen and then all the people that work in the kitchen. It's it's a it's a good show. It started out 
really great. And then it kind of slow burned a little bit and Kurt lost interest. Oh, really? He I did. think you have to have a little bit of an industry, you know, inside for it. He, uh, he, the guy that plays, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Allen White. He is like a young Robert De Niro just in his, he oh, says so much with his face. Interesting statement. And then the cousin, Mikey, is, I don't know who these actors are. I'll just call them by I their names I just have it up. Show. So, uh, Richie. You've seen Richie. Ebon Moss, uh, something. You've seen him in other things. He's a pretty good character actor. Yeah. And he's like the Chicago tough guy. And then the person who kind of steals the show is this young African-American woman who plays the Sydney. sous chef. Sydney, yeah. Ayo Edebiri, I think. She's sort of the heart and conscience of the show. But not even because she's on her own journey. And then they all flip roles. Yeah. So the the famous thing in radio is there's always a dick and a deer. Oh. The dick is sort of the hard person. The deer is the soft person. And what I liked about the bear is just as soon as you think someone's being the dick, they switch to being the deer. Oh, I see what you're And it kind of cycles through the character development, which everyone has a complexity to them. Right. And the restaurant business. And well, I just think that, you know, this is like, as far as it goes, this is the most, uh, it's the most real as far as what a kitchen is like, which is, that's exactly what you're saying. Restaurants are made of people. It's made of people who do things and who have, who aren't just the funny guy. It's the funny guy also has a traumatic past and he's, you know, like masking for something. And also he's very sweet to some people and he's very mean to some people. And it's like, that's what that is. It's the reality of the humanity behind it. And I think that's what's amazing. And you get to see there's kind of, it comes not, it comes more towards the middle and the end. But one of the guys that works in the shop that makes the rolls kind of has a pastry bent to him and he starts to start experimenting with his pastry. Yeah. And you start to see sort of the creativity and the artistry and the life that some of these, these people are artists in a lot of respects. Well, I mean, that's, you know, it's sort of like taking it to the, to the, to that side of kitchen as art as life and all the rest is fine. But I think that this actually shows it less because when movies try to do that and shows try to show like food is art and all that crap, like that's not, that's not the reality. That's like the, that's the end form. Right. And so it's sort of, that's why I like burnt with Bradley Cooper and remember that? And then there yeah, was I do. the one ca- with Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. Where she adopted a kid and even, yeah. you know, chef was the other closest one with, you know, when they, when he, the John Favreau, yeah, where he like quit and started the food truck, but that was pretty close as far as the ego and everything else. But, but TV tries to make, you know, media tries to make them into these like, you know, artists and everything else. And what I love about this is this is a picture of the artist in the tragic moments. Like, here's the best part about this. We are told all along that Carmi, who's the character, the main character, that he's this amazing food and wine's best new chef and that he's this, he's brilliant. And the reason that Sydney is cooking with him is because she knows his talent and she knows he's amazing. And yet we never see him cook anything that isn't just simple and beautiful and not even beautiful. Like he makes a Chicago beef sandwich and they're like, try it. And it just looks like a sandwich. And that to me is the reality. It's like, it's actually not about having like all the dots of syrup around it and all the beautiful trappings. The, what I loved about it is they just showed this sandwich and everybody who took a bite of it was like, Oh, oh my God, it's so different. And yet it wasn't an Instagram moment. Except then they dissected the Instagram moment in a way that I thought was fascinating, where he was talking to one of the guys in the kitchen and he was explaining a picture on the wall of this plum dish. Yes. And he went through this six 
stages of all the iterations of yes. Plum and how long everything took and it then took how three, it was yeah, assembled. 12 hours to do this and 17 hours to do yeah, that. Yeah, and like him explaining that to this guy, the other, the pastry guy, and like the care and that you know that that is what happens behind the scenes, but you never really you never hear about it, it no. until you have this little, you know, oh, poached plum on here and you eat it and you're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Like that was kind of also that moment of like, wow, you forget how much all of that goes into it. Right. And that's what I, but I love the fact that this was, and you know, you get the idea that of course he's going to open, he's, he's here biding his time, but in a a weird way, this is like this purgatory proving ground for him and proving once again to himself that that food where he was under stress and he hated himself. He said he used to throw up every day before going into the kitchen in which he had to plate these beautiful things the stress and the like the self-loathing and the never feeling good enough for that that all goes into this beautifully crafted fake feeling dish right there's the emo- we talk about food you know and the emotions you feel through it you do- you wonder about those dishes that you never get to take you just see them and you press like on it and now we go and we switch the camera to the fact that he's made this beef sandwich which you wouldn't think of in the same way that you would think of this fine dining dish and yet the love and the care and the family memories that come up from him about like and his brother and and all of this stuff that comes into these like very simple dishes like that's the that's what you're always hoping for out of food and it comes at a different cost he's learning that again did you have the there were two like anxiety moments for me as it is the most stressful the tv on, show on tv let me just when the tickets s- are going click 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 and like having worked in a kitchen with the tickets doing that oh, having them yelling at each other you're having heart palpitations rolling stone their title their article is the bear is the most stressful thing on tv right now it's also great. Yeah. And if you've worked in a restaurant, the other piece of it where he gets home and it's late at night and his they show him sitting in an apartment and yeah. it's dark and the only light is the TV light and he's cracking a beer and it's like his sixth one. Mm-hmm. Because what would happen is you'd get home from the restaurant or the bar in our case and we get home at like 2.30 in the morning and then you have to like try to turn all that adrenaline off to go to sleep and to like start your functional life. Yeah. To do that, it required in a lot of cases, alcohol. I'm not going to lie. Like, well, it does. It requires a lot of people are still doing that. Yeah. And you just, it's a cycle that feels hard on your body over time. Yeah. And just that what sit him sitting in the dark, trying to wind down with the only light of the television. I just thought, wow, that feels really real to me. I've been there a million times. When they were just screaming at each other, it was that stress of like knowing, you know, like that feeling of like, you know what a toxic kitchen feels like. And that's, that's the other side of this. This is a really interesting foray into looking into that, those toxic kitchens. Cause and wasn't every kitchen that you worked in like that? No, I will tell you that not, but a lot of them were. Oh, yeah. was, every kitchen I ever worked yeah. in felt just like that. Someone's yelling, Someone's melting down. Someone's hungover. Yeah. Someone's trying to smooth things over. And yeah. in the meanwhile, the dishwasher is trying to get the dishes yeah. and it's a hot, steamy, wet mess. Sure. I mean, it's definitely a stressful, but I mean, I didn't particularly screamy in toxic places. I didn't really have too many of those, I would say. But I will tell you that there's like, you know, um, levels of that. But I think what's interesting is like the fact of watching that now you, okay. So you think about like how Anthony Bourdain set us up to understand what the kitchen was for everybody in, you know, layman's terms. He in kind of book, took no reservations. Yeah. He kind of took uh kitchen. Confidential. Oh, kitchen. Thank yeah. you. He took that and he kind of explained it to everybody and everyone got fascinated with it. And it became this thing. And it kind of became, there's a whole generation of chefs who still think that that's the way that you talk to people. Like, that's just the way it is. But that's not now. 
it's no longer like that. And in fact, it can't be like that. And that was, I think, one another piece of this show that's interesting because Sydney's not going to stand for it. She's not going to be talked to like that. And she's like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be here for this. Whereas in the past, the the thought is that you just suck it up and take it like he did. You know, there's a there's a memory of him in his finer dining kitchen and there you know, the chef who's above him is like whispering in his ear, like, You're no good, you're a hack, you know, you're you're a loser and all this stuff. And he takes it because he's supposed to. And I do so that I think there's a hierarchical a, shift too. Yeah, but I think that what I'm saying is that I'm I'm sort of grateful that they took that step to show that because he also he apologizes like Carmi loses his his you know loses his mind and starts yelling at everybody he makes amends and he apologizes afterwards and he says i know that that's not i'm sorry do you remember talking to chef jack rebel about this sort of shift and he had grown up in that same kind of culture Mm -hmm. and you're yelling and it's toxic and he admitted that he acted like that at times and he was trying to figure out how to make the shift because he saw it coming and he knew it in order for people to want to work with him. He had to lead with something other than that. Yes. And that's what I think is I'm glad that they showed that because it's too easy to go to the typical stereotypical yeah. moments. And I'm I'm grateful that they showed and I'm super grateful that they were real kitchen people with real identities alongside of it. It wasn't just Garmanger guy. You know, it was the guy who we find out, you know, who pops in and says something, you know, he's just one of the line cooks and all of a sudden you realize he says something about he used to play for the Cubs and the guy's like, wait, you used to play for the Cubs? And all of a sudden there's depth to that character and, you know, like uh, Tina, the woman who's, you know, one of the cooks and like her like fighting against the system and then seeing her appreciate some you know, feedback that's positive and deciding that she maybe wants that for the craft that she's working on and that it doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be good. And it's just that moment of like, I like that there's, they don't have to have these huge storylines, but that they're real people. That yeah. was, I, that's why it's worth watching for me. I liked the whole thing too. Yeah. We, we both saw a lot of the same things, I think. Yeah. It's definitely worth watching. We're going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to talk about the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, or you can call with your question, 651 641 1071 and you can call and talk about your feelings about the bear or your feelings about health insurance or what food do you want to eat this week or what do you do with your noodles in your pantry when we come back on the weekly dish and we are here in the ask stephanie portion of the show 651-641-1071 you are welcome to call in with your questions we do have a question that has come in and i think is your name paula uh jenna jenna Jenna. that's it thank you sorry i couldn't remember (laughs) Hi, Jenna. That's welcome okay. to the program. Hi. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh. Great. <laughs> um, so I have a question about those tiny little baby ring pastas for making summer salad, and yes. I can't find it anywhere. What kind of summer salad do you make with your tiny little cremette pasta rings? Yeah, so I'll do like a chicken salad or a tuna salad, something that actually I was on coming back from the grocery store and I was listening to you gals and I was like, I wonder if they know what's the deal with this stuff. Cause I can't find it anywhere. Yeah. It is a noodle that usually is carried in the summertime. They don't really have it as much in the wintertime. Um, so I wonder if that's part of it because there is a grain shortage somewhat happening. There are a lot of sure. these grains are grown in Ukraine and in Europe, but uh, we did find it around. I think you just maybe are not seeing it at the grocery stores that it's getting sold out. Yeah. Is what I think is happening. Okay. Because it is around. Okay. I'll have to do, I just scoured like 
I, I'm not even kidding, four different, like, cubs in oh. <laughs> around my area. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what is happening? I saw it, on, um, I saw it online at Walmart. I don't know if there's okay. a Walmart near you, but if you, like, you can, like, re- you know, you can, like, order it and hold it there and then go pick okay. it up. So I would do oh, that. I see it idea. at Hy-Vee, too. Um, I was at Byerly's yesterday, and I saw it. Okay. Um, so I want to know what you're going to make. You're just going to make like a cute tuna noodle salad with the Yeah, eggs. I think so. I think, you know, it's so hot and it's going to be, you know, just like a great weekend to just have some cold salad on hand for everybody to dig into. Yeah. <laughs> Another substitute could be orzo. Okay. Which is a small I love pasta that could be a substitute if you can't find it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. I should I should definitely try that. I know it's sort of like family tradition with that pasta for some reason. And I remember my great aunt, she lives out in Portland, Oregon, but originally from Minnesota. And when she would come, like they would drive over family trips and stuff. She would like stock up in the summer because she couldn't get it out on the West Coast. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it is kind of a Midwestern thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, well thanks, ladies. Thanks, thanks Jenna. Jenna. Uh, 651-641-1071. I think we have another caller. Hi, caller. How you doing? Oh, hello? Oh. I, hello? Hi, how are you? Hi. Um, Is this Stephanie? It, it is. is. Both of us. Oh, Sorry, my God. We're... This is so weird. I love your show. Oh, but thanks for being quick... on. Yeah, I had a quick question. Um, uh, my question is about the health care. Um, yes. I am I'm a two-time cancer survivor. Uh-huh. And um, I had health care through my work, but it has been a struggle. You have to just reapply and sure. everything. And, you know, it's like your health insurance doesn't want to pay for anything. Yep. So I guess my question is, without your employer paying for it, I mean, you're just in real trouble. I, I heard you guys talking about the chef that got injured. Yeah. Why he didn't have health insurance, but it it's, it costs a lot, you know. It so. does. And your employer, if your employer has a program, I would say 99.9% of the time, that's going to be the best way to go. Okay. Even though it's not awesome. It's still going to be even the the other programs that are available. The employer sponsored programs are usually better. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks for well, calling. I will stick with that. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate it. I appreciate your feedback and your comments, and I hope that things go better for you. Um, Thank you. I think we have an Emma on the line. No, that was Emma, perhaps. We're having some phone issues, yeah. so we're playing like charades. It's great with our producer, which is awesome. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. If you want to give us a call, um, I know Stephanie has been eating lots of good things, and we're going to talk about some of the great places that she's been. We are, and I just I also want to let you guys know that you can that there is rosé fest this afternoon. Yes, and it's going to be a gorgeous day for it. I know it feels really. It kind of felt lighter out there this morning from the humidity. It was like a nice little break. So there's still a few tickets left. If you guys want to like pop into the online and check it out, there's ways to get it and uh, to hang out. So I think it'll be fun. Yeah. And Rosé Fest is it's you basically get to try like last. I think I heard there were 30 to 50 different types of rosés. And rosé is a yeah is a type of wine that really has a lot of complexity. There is a lot of variation in it. Yeah. 
No, it's lovely. I mean, it's just a great way to celebrate summer. It's really more about having uh, a great afternoon that you maybe don't have to be with your family. <laughs> you did all your family stuff last weekend, you guys. You can ditch them and come to Rosé Fest this afternoon, raise a glass with me, have some big laughs, and then we'll be, and then just, that's the best way. There was a lot of... There's a lot of family last weekend for was, everybody. There was, Feeling like you should come to Rosé Fest. Uh, okay, 651-641-1071. Uh, here's a question that uh, has come in from John, and he said, there are a lot of places that are offering single origin coffees. Are there places in the Twin Cities that you know about? Yeah. Are there single origin coffees? I don't have any intel on that. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I actually like, kind of do. No, I could. I mean, we could look it up. It's That's a thing that I would have to Google because I don't, I'm just, you know, I mean... There's a lot of roasters in town who are doing good things. I don't want to misspeak is okay. my point. So. I do know of a couple. Um, one is a pretty boutique little coffee shop, but it's really sweet. It's called SK Coffee, and it's in the Vidalia Tower. And it's off of Vidalia, Vandalia Street. And you go in there, and they single-source coffee means that it is grown in one region, and it is not blended uh, with other versions. It's just specifically from that place. The idea being kind of like wine or cheese, that you get that terroir of where it's grown. Yeah. And Uh, SK Coffee has a lot of good single-source coffees to choose from. Dogwood, too. I mean, if you're really getting into that, I mean, like, Dogwood has that coffee... Um, but here's one that's really interesting. Do you ever get Folly Coffee? Yes. So you can buy these beans, usually at Lund's or uh, Whole Foods maybe, but Folly Coffee are is a local company, um, but they have uh, they have single-origin coffee, and you can do a subscription and get it every month, too. It's owned by this guy named Rob Folly. He's a kind young guy. Funny. He's hilarious, yeah. and he also has a good coffee podcast. Yeah. Not only that, but I think they used to, they were doing like tours of the, of the roastery and all sorts of stuff. I bet he does. He's a really interesting cat. That's Rob Folly with Folly Coffee. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Okay. We have a couple calls on the line. We're going to hold you guys over and we will take a break. And when we come back at the top of the hour two, we will take the calls. I know Kate is holding if you just want to hold on. Because it's time to we take have a like break, a, right? We have like a minute, so oh, let's... <laughs> well, what? Oh, we there break? we go. Okay, wrap we'll it up. We'll let our producer make the call. We're going to break. Yep. We'll come back. We'll take Kate's call on the other side. You're listening to The Weekly Dish, presented by our friends at Hornitos, Knob Creek, and Maker's Mark. We'll be right back.